Okay? The next one is in Ephesians 5.32. And Ephesians 5.2 is the great mystery. The great mystery of Christ and the church. If we all knew how Christ felt about the church, it's a lot opposite of what you and I feel about Him. But if we as a church knew how the Lord felt about us and how much He really loved us, it would change our walk and talk. That's why He called it the only one in there that says it's the great mystery. He put it great in there for one reason, and that's to let us know that's exactly what He thinks it is. It's, the, it's probably the greatest mystery that we can't comprehend. The next one is Ephesians 6 and 19. You want me to just give you the Scriptures look at them or you want me to keep doing what I'm doing? This will help you if we just keep it going. Alright. Ephesians 6, 19 is the mystery of the Gospel. You wouldn't think that's a mystery. But most folks don't know what the Gospel is. you got relatives don't know what the gospel is. You don't know it to the fullest. Neither do I. And I've been experiencing it for ages. I know about that much of the gospel. All right. Colossians 1.26 And it's called the mystery which hath been hid from ages. not something God don't want us to know about but sometimes he hides some of the truth from us Colossians 1.26 the mystery which hath been hid from ages hath been hid from ages I'll give you a little longer on that one Colossians 1.27, right under it. It's the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The Jews don't understand that. Most Gentiles don't understand that. Colossians 2, 2. It's just plain out known as the mystery of God, the Father, and Christ. Colossians 2, 2. The mystery of God, the Father, and Christ. They can't understand today why and how. Both can be the same. Christ is God and God is Christ. And they can't understand the incarnation on top of that when he was made flesh. So you understand, you see where we're at? We've got so many mysteries in our church. Most church folks don't know nothing about what I'm talking about today here. Some of us just know little, little portions of it. 1 Timothy 3.9 No, no, excuse me. 2 Thessalonians 2.7 I want to stay in line. Second Thessalonians 2 7 is called the mystery of iniquity. Now, this is not Christ. This is the Antichrist. The mystery of iniquity now worketh. And he goes on to say, He, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The mystery of iniquity is the Antichrist. You understand, do you understand now why people can't figure out about the Antichrist and want to know so much about him? Can't figure it out. It's a mystery. Oh, I enjoy doing this. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you for listening. First Timothy three nine. 
1 Timothy 3, 9. The mystery of the faith. We don't even know faith, do we? It is. How many has got the faith of a grain of a mustard seed? How many, how many knows how small a mustard seed is? Little. Amen. I found grains of sand bigger than it. First Timothy 3.16. First Timothy 3.16. I'll give you something to do when you ain't got nothing to do. Go through the Bible from Matthew and look up all the 316s throughout the Bible, the rest of the Bible, New Testament. Just kind of get amazed at what's said on the 16th verse of the third chapter. It's the call the mystery of godliness. Then we got four more, and they're in Revelation. Revelation one twenty. I know you've heard this one a lot of times. It's the mystery of the seven stars and the seven candlesticks. If you look at it, you'll see that God says the stars and, and the candlesticks, and then he goes down and tells you what they are. So the Lord wants you to know these mysteries. He's explained them to us many places. Revelation 10, 7, number 19. And that's the mystery of God, and it said should be finished. It's dealing with the tribulation hour. The mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of God should be finished. In other words, it's a mystery of the tribulation, but it should be finished. God's going to finish it. You don't see all these things till you just break them down like this and see them. Revelation 17, 5. It's called the mystery of Babylon the Great. Mystery of Babylon the Great. These are Revelation Scriptures, these last three are dealing with the tribulation. The last one is Revelation 17 7. That should be number 21 if you, I don't know where you numbered them as you went or not. There's 22 of them, but I put one of them up there on number 8. That's Colossians 4 3. Them two are the same. Revelation 17, 7 is the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her. A little lengthy, but that's what it says. Now, I wish we could take every one of these today and give about 30, 40 minutes on that one of them, but we can't. First, my, my voice is getting, my throat's getting dry. Ain't it? Give, give me a Coke over there. I don't, I don't want candy on something to sip on. Which one don't you have? Y'all think you got scripture? Okay. Any questions before we get anywhere else? Is it interesting? That freezer must be refrigerator's getting needs to be defrosted again. Them's not hot. I mean, cold. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but 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 the Lord don't call it a mystery, but 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 now the mystery is explained. It's not you. These are not these are the ones that's actually called mysteries. There are other mysteries in there, like she just mentioned, and like she mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is these are particular ones that's been mentioned, and I believe the Lord wants us to know what those are. 
you got to remember that the Old Testament and New Testament are entirely different. Uh, it's a transition period from one to the other. And you can't handle the New Testament like you handle the Old Testament, nor can you handle the Old Testament like you handle the New Testament. All right. Now we're going to go back, and I'm just going. To, I'm not going to stay too long on this. I I did a little study on Wednesday night one one time here on uh, the first one, and the first one I give you a while ago, if you remember in your notes, is the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's found in Mark 4.11. We looked at that. But there's two phrases in the New Testament that you need to know a little bit about. Uh, there's a lot of controversy on these two phrases. It's hard to get two preachers to claim the same thing on these. Some believe they're the same thing. Some believe that there's something different. And I'm one of them because I believe God put them in there for two different purposes. Now, he should have called them all one if it all been the same. But there's some deviation between those. And uh, they fit both of them. They fit the Jew and the Gentile. But uh, we want to look at something, and I want to try to explain it the best I can. And then I want to get down to the other part where we're talking about Israel. Uh, the kingdom of heaven, you want to write that down, and the kingdom of God, we want to pay attention to this is dealing with the, the mystery of God, the kingdom of God. And I also had the mystery of the kingdom, uh, you know, of heaven. And this mentioned there, so we're actually carrying two of them. And we'll look at these. The kingdom of heaven, the phrase, if you looked up in your concordance, kingdom of heaven. It will say this mentioned in there 31 verses. 31 verses of the Bible it's mentioned. Now what's interesting of those 31 verses is that the first verse that it's mentioned is, is Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. Now watch this when you put this down. And the second time, or not, not but the last time that it's mentioned the first time it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, the last time it's mentioned is in Matthew 25, 14. So that lets you know that all 31 verses of the kingdom of heaven is mentioned in the book of Matthew. Why is that? You say, I don't know. Well, we may not figure it out, but there's a reason for it somewhere. And I've given that before, what I feel is the reason for it. It's only mentioned back in the book of Matthew. And I've said this before many times, and I know you're probably tired of hearing it, but Matthew portrays Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. And to have a kingdom, you've got to have a king. Or if you've got a king, you need a kingdom. And... Uh, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, John the Baptist came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's he mean by that? The kingdom ain't been established yet, and that's been over 2,000 years. Actually, it's before the crucifixion. But John said, John the Baptist says, the kingdom of heaven is at what? Hand right around the corner. That's what I say when you tell me something's at hand. It's near. It ain't in China. It's going to take them a little while to get here. You understand? It's, it's near. Then, the second time it's preached is in Matthew four seventeen when Jesus preached it that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John preached it first. Jesus preached it second. You see what I'm talking about? And then in chapter 5 and verse 19 of the book of Matthew, I'm going to turn, confirm what I'm saying at the same time. 5.13? Yeah, Matthew 5.13. Let's look at that. I just want to see who's preaching this. 
Matthew 5.13, the fifth chapter is the Beatitudes. 5.13 is Jesus. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its favor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out. To be tried. No, that's not the right one. What did I say? Uh, 5.19, excuse me. Five, now, whosoever therefore shall break one of these uh, least commandments and shall teach men so, so shall he uh, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. This again is Jesus is preaching it. And he says it's at hand. Now why is that? Because he's coming to the Jews. He's the Messiah. And they could have taken him as a king and established a kingdom. You see that? Because they laid out and said, Hosanna. Remember that laid the palm leaves out in the in the roadway for the, the donkey to bring him in. They could accept him as the king. That's why John said and Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. That's the kingdom for the Lord to set up the reign. He could have been the king for them. You remember the Jews have always looked for a king and a kingdom. You know why they didn't receive Jesus is because they were looking for a kingdom. They weren't looking for somebody to die for them. That's why they got a problem. Their blindness in part, which we're going to get into, and that's why I'm using both of these together. And uh, we'll see in it that that has taken place. So the kingdom of heaven spoken of just in Matthew alone lets me believe and makes me to preach. And you notice after the 25th chapter, and that is the chapter where the 10 wise and 10, I mean the 10 virgins, five wise and five foolish. After that, you don't even find the kingdom of heaven mentioned again. See? In other words, after, and that's the time of the rapture when you get to the 25th chapter. And so the Lord has excluded that. The kingdom is not, not established. They rejected Him. Yet they will have a kingdom because the Lord told us in the book of Revelation there will be a kingdom. And the Gentiles has got the fullness to come. In other words, the church is brought before them. It's been brought out after the Jew rejected Jesus. You see that? That's a mystery. If you don't get this, so that's why I call the kingdom of heaven is is the is the place when uh, the, they could have had an established kingdom. Now the second phrase is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is mentioned sixty-eight times against thirty-one. Now we see where the precedents went, where, what's happened, you see. The Bible don't lie to you, it's pretty plain. And numbers do work. The kingdom of God is mentioned in 68 verses. The first time it's mentioned is in Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added unto you, remember? 6.33 Matthew 6.33 and the last time that it's mentioned is in Second Thess Thessalonians 1.5 so from Matthew to Thessalonians God is reminding us of the kingdom of God you don't find the kingdom of heaven nowhere mentioned do you understand all that? now a lot of preachers will come along and tell you that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same. I listen to Dr. Harold Seitler. You hear me talk about him sometimes. But this week I heard Dr. Seitler say that uh, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is one and the same. And when he said that, I said, Brother Seitler, I appreciate you. You lived back in 1970 and 80, but that's not right. And I'm not knocking him. I believe when he said that, he thought he was right with you. He wasn't trying to misteach me. And I don't believe I'm trying to misteach you today, but I'm showing you the difference 
It's only mentioned in the book of Matthew. And their early pre- do you ever, do you don't find where Jesus preaching the gospel of oh, you don't he's not preaching the kingdom of heaven nowhere else. After there's places in Matthew, neither does John the Baptist, because he was a he was the last of the prophets. You understand that? He was a prophet of God, and he come in preaching and he's preaching, prepare ye the ways and prepare, uh, you know, for the kingdom of heaven. He can't preach in that. He's looking for a kingdom. He's not looking for... He didn't come in and say, uh, prepare to meet God. He, he did say that there stands one among me that's, you know, that's worthier than I, whose shoes latching I'm not worthy to unloose. But he didn't see him as a crucified, buried, and risen son of God. He saw him as... The king coming. And he preached the kingdom. But they rejected him. Of course, they kept rejecting him over and over. The last time they rejected him was when they um, stoned Stephen to death. They had another opportunity right there to receive them, receive Christ as the Messiah and as the king. Nope. No. He was he was six months older than Jesus, and you remember he uh, he he died. They he is Jesus was because he sent to hell to uh, to then said go to hell, ask Jesus, are you the one or should we seek for another? You remember he had doubts. He's in prison, and they cut his head off, and they come bringing in his head on a charger, and then. I didn't hear his you. Wife, the king or whatever the, he was, the queen. His wife, that's what she wanted. The queen hated John the Baptist, yeah. and his daughter, her daughter, danced, danced yeah. a little bit half naked, I guess, before Herod, and he liked that. Yeah. And so he said, "I'll give you whatever you want." And so she went to Mama and said, "Mama, he wants he'll give me get John's head." And she told him that, and that's what he done. Hey, he, he wanted that woman. He wanted that girl. Lust got him. But I'm going to, you just see, the Bible's plain. It don't cut no corners. When I get up and preach, I can see it don't cut no corners. I can tell, you know, when you get stuck with a pen, you flinch. How many of you can, if I stick you with a pen, you're not going to move? I see people flinch all the time. I know the power of the word. Don't do it on purpose. Sometimes I say it. I say, "Oh Lord." I say to myself, "Why did you say that?" It's done. Got gone. I can't. I can't lasso it and drag it back. Oh, we're having fun. I am. Oh, I'm having fun. All right, the kingdom of God. First time in the book of Matthew, last time in 2 Thessalonians. And I'm not going to go into details, but all the other verses are here. I've got them in front of me. And uh, you can, if you've got a concordance, you can look up that kingdom of God and you'll find it in every one of those places. And start reading them and seeing how much they differ. Now, to do a good study on this, you have to look at every reference. That's why it's hard on a preacher. When I'm in the pulpit and I've got a hundred verses, and I know good and well reading a hundred verses and turning to them, it's going to take a long time. It's going to wear me out, but it's going to wear the people out for sure. They're going to get tired of that. And, they, and then after a while, the second, I ain't going back over. He gives too much Bible. <laughs> well, what am I supposed to preach out of the catalog? I mean, the Bible's what we come for, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all online now. Yeah. But the Scriptures, the Bible said that's how we learn, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Here a little, there a little. We pick up a piece here, a piece there, and we add it together, and it comes together like that. And that's what God does. 
Amen. Now, we want to turn back to the 11th chapter of Romans. Boy, y'all broke me. Get the right chapter now. The 11th chapter. Uh, You've got to remember while you're turning to the 11th chapter, I'm going to read verse 1 of chapter 10. Paul got up. He's fixing to preach and so forth. You've got to remember Paul. He was a, a Jew. You're going to find that out right off in just a minute. The Bible said in chapter 10, brethren, he's talking, when I say this, and I say it all the time because I want you to know it. Brethren, he's talking to the born-again believers. He's not talking to the heathen. He may be talking to the Jew. He may be talking to the Gentile. But it's those who have been saved. He's talking to the church when he says brethren. You don't do that with the, with the Jew. They talk, you know, they don't look at that like that. Uh, the only, only thing on the earth is a church that's got brethren in it. We're called brethren regardless of who we are, whether we're Jew or Gentile. See? He said, brethren, my heart's desire, my heart's desire, what I really feel on the inside, and prayer to God for Israel is. Now notice he's praying for Israel. My heart's desire and my prayer for Israel is, comma, and I love this right here, that they might be saved. That lets you know that... Jew has got to be birthed into the family of God just like you and me. They got that situated. We've studied before how that the transition period when the Jews were talking about circumcision and the Gentiles were talking about baptism. Now remember this. The big thing in the Old Testament uh, for proof of salvation to them that people has listened to the Jew was circumcision. Now that would that didn't save. Salvation is by grace through faith. I don't care where it's at. They had to believe in the Old Testament to be saved. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. But the thing that they did in the Old Testament was a token that they believed God. Understand that? And the thing in the New Testament people brag on all the time is baptism and baptism is just a token of believing on God. Is that plain? Any questions there? Because <coughs> that's important. The Jew could brag about circumcision. The Gentile could brag about uh, baptism. But neither one of those saved them. Uh, the Orthodox do, yeah. Orthodox, and I say Orthodox, I'm talking about them that's died in the wool. I'm not talking about some that's maybe raising their kids in America and, you know, have a Gentile bride. Some of them, a lot of Jews have married Gentile brides and a lot of uh, uh, Gentiles have married uh, Jewish brides. And that's just a mixed marriage, what that is. But, but I'm talking about a full-blooded Jew in other words, has he's full-blooded, been full-blooded all the way. Then uh, they're they're orthodox, and most of them, if they have even see, most of them don't. They, you got to remember one thing: they're blinded. We talked about that when we start blinded in part. But when I say orthodox, I'm talking about the ones that believe what God said. So there's Jews today that believe, and yeah. And, and, and of course whether they believe in Christ or not they do believe in the Old Testament economy and that's what it taught so yeah they're circumcised alright and then we got that does the same thing in the, in the New Testament um, that's practiced in America too all the time you know and so I'm saying to you that that don't mean nothing 
as far as salvation is concerned. It's, uh, yeah, it does. All it is, I'll tell you this. I'll just be plain with you and tell you what what it does is a cutting away of the flesh. And cutting away of the flesh means uh, you're cutting away the old world and, and making a new person out of you. And the same thing with baptism. Baptism don't save you, but it just tells you that you identify with Christ. You see what I'm saying? That's all it does. And these people preach that stuff. They're going against the Scriptures. Nothing of that nature saves you. What can you do to get saved? Oh, I'll get baptized. Okay. Go down to the river and baptize yourself. Fall over backwards. Get down under and then get up off your back out down under the water. If you don't, somebody don't come help you right quick, you'll be dead in a moment. How long does it take you to drown? Three minutes or four? That's what I'm trying to tell you. How many of you in here baptized yourself? Okay. In the Old Testament, they couldn't circumcise themselves either. You understand? As a Christian, we can't crucify ourselves either. So I was like, I done all that. You did? God trying to tell you, salvation is of the Lord. Amen. Don't want to get me to preaching, but that's true. All right. Now, Paul wanted to say, now we go to chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. I want to give you a few things here. We want to kind of look today, the rest of it, I don't know how long we're going to stay, but till y'all get ready, you say you need to go, you will, we'll quit and close out. But uh, I'm, I'm still fine. Do what? I said I'm Okay, you're ready to go now, ain't you? We're going to look at the difference between the church and Israel. We've done this before to some degree. In chapter 11, verse 1, Paul said, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now, who's his people? The Jews. And then he says, God forbid. He said, for I also am an Israelite. That means he's a Jew. Of the seed of Abraham. That's a real... Uh, important thing to keep in mind seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin now Paul is saying something here that the average Jew today can't say the average Jew can't tell you what tribe he's of and you said well that's something how are they going to pick out 12,000 out of every tribe of Israel to be evangelists in the world God holds the record that's going to be, and there you are, another mystery. God will pull that mystery out of the bag after the church is taken out of here and he gets 12,000 out of every tribe. I don't believe you'll just be pulled out there for a big question. I believe something will happen. I've said this before. I believe something will happen dramatically or they'll find some archaeology or something or some remains of somewhere that's going to be able to tell them where a Jew comes from. And many of them is going to be able to trace their lineage. I'm saying that because if don't, people are going to blame God. He just picked out a bunch. God just don't pick out a bunch. He knows who them 12,000 are. And that in itself will prove to the world that he knows who he's talking about. They're all virgins, yeah. All men. All right. And they'll be of age, I mean, to go out and fight, I mean, and to preach. Now this, you'll see this. Paul's telling you here of who he is. Now, to understand a little bit more, I want us to hold your place right there and go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And we'll look over there. I want us to see this. You learn a lot out of Jeremiah, Isaac. Excuse me, Isaiah and Ezekiel. But in chapter 31 of 
Jeremiah. We're going to go down to verse number 35. And we're going to look there. The Lord's going to tell us something about the Jew here. In Jeremiah 31, 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day. Now notice the little things that God's throwing in here through Jeremiah. Why would he say that? Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day. He's trying to remind where the sun comes from for a purpose. And the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night. Ordinances is an agreement. It's ironclad. It's laid out. He's trying to tell us that God has ordained the sun to come up and the moon and the stars to shine at night. Yeah, we got that figured out. We, we don't have no problem with that. We believe we're creationists. We believe that God created and uh, didn't evolve. We're not evolutionists. So he goes on, he said, Which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Jeremiah's laying the framework. Verse 36, If those ordinances, what ordinances? Of the moon, the stars, and the sun, if those ordinances depart from before me, in other words, if one day the sun refuses to shine, one day the moon don't come up, one day the stars don't shine anymore, saith the Lord, then he said, the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. God said, when the sun quits shining, the Jews over. Now this is important. Everybody thinks they're going to destroy the Jew. They think they're going to annihilate them. They don't want to just run them out of town. They want to kill them. They've been wanting to do that for ages. Hitler, Mussolini, all those folks, people. Those northern nations over there now, the countries around Israel, they're wanting to kill them. They despise for some reason, and I don't understand why. I can put in a few things why, I think. But they despise a Jew. They don't even want him to breathe anymore. They're the greatest people on the face of the earth, as far as I'm concerned. They give us the Savior. They give us the Word of God. We've got salvation through them. And I'm not going to knock them. Amen. Amen. Huh? Well, this right here tells you that, don't it? All right. Then he said, Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured. Does anybody here measure? Can anybody measure heaven? And the foundations of the earth searched out beneath. Can anybody tell you all the foundations of the earth? He said, I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. He said, well, the Jews been wicked. They've turned away from God. They have. God chose them. God wanted them to be his people. They are his people. And God said, if you measure heaven and you can, you know, you can do something with the foundations of the earth, then I will destroy them. God said, I ain't going to do it. Because he holds the foundations. He's got heaven. He holds the stars. He holds, I don't care how bad it gets. Uh, they can sit up on the Capitol Hill and say, we ain't got but 12 more years to live. Because we're destroying the earth. They can say, look how many bombs they're going to throw out and nuclear weapons and all that. And God says, they ain't going to do it. God said, when that happens, I'm destroying Israel. God said, I'll, I'll cut them off. So he just put blindness in part, put them on the sideline. And them little old Jews don't even know it, but one of these days God's going to put his arm around them again. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiah under the gate of the corner. And he goes on talking about the other things there. But I just wanted to share that scripture with you right there. That ought to help you. Mark that in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 31, 35, 36, and 37 will tell you 
that God is not going to let nobody kill and destroy the Jew. Russia thinks they can. Iran thinks they can. China thinks they can. America thinks she can. This little old bitty town don't mean nothing. Little country. Just, I said, what, the side of Delaware, whatever the state it is. I'll look that back up and have that next time. But I'm saying this. They ain't nobody going to cut Israel off. They can't do nothing to Israel that God won't let them do. And every time they try, they just provoke God. So I'm trying to show you where Israel is for a place. Let's look at something else. And I've done this here. I think I've done this in one of our meetings here. In Ezekiel 37. We're not talking about Ezekiel 38 and 39. When I read Ezekiel 37, I just run into a preacher the other day that said he just preached on this. And I said, how did you preach it? He said, I just opened it up and preached it like it is. I said, okay. And I said, what do you think those graves are, those bones are? He said, that's a type of lost man, lost on his way to hell. And uh, he needs to be raised up. I said, okay. Is that what you... He said, that's what I do. I use that as a salvation. That's one of the best salvation messages you can find in the Old Testament. I said, well, it's not the best, but it can be used as our salvation. But you do know that that's not what he's talking about. I said, it's talking about a nation. And it is talking about raising up a nation. But it's not for the salvation, the grace of God. That's given to the Jew. So let's read it. If you don't get it all, it's because you don't see it all. And if you don't see it all, somebody ain't showed it all. So we got to look at it. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Certainly we need that. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. That's kind of a little strange thing, isn't it? Mystery. Yeah, it's another mystery. There you go. You're going to pick up on that from now on, ain't you, Miss Jones? That hipped you out, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, this is a mystery. But he's going to explain. I'm going to explain this mystery to you in just a minute. God don't call it a mystery in the Old Testament, but it is a mystery. And he said, And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, there were ve- and they were very dry. Being dry, very dry, means they've been there for a long time. Bones laying out on the ground don't usually deteriorate. Bones don't deteriorate all that easy anyhow. But lay down on top of the ground, the hot sun and all that, they just dry out. And they said they, they, they explain this sometimes being lost men, and that's what happens. They're very dry. And you can app, you can make all kinds of applications. I have done it. I've preached that, but I've told you this is not the interpretation. This is an application. Okay. Not, in twenty seventeen I preached it. All right. 21st. 21st? Yeah, yeah. All right. I've preached it a lot of times, but I've also told you what the interpretation is. Look at verse 3. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto these, unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, somebody's going to ask, how can bones hear the Lord? Well, God can open her ears too, you know. Amen. Yeah, matter of fact, when you was dead and lost and on your way to hell, you couldn't hear the Lord. He had to speak a little loud, and the Holy Spirit done it. Verse 5 said, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and bring... Uh, up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. And ye shall know 
that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them about or above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds of the earth, or breath, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now, yeah, yeah. But now you can look at that. What happens? God saves a man, and or He reaches down, He put flesh on you, and if you don't put the Spirit of God in you, you're still you're just dead. It's kind of like a lot of people puts on a profession and don't have a possession. But that's that's a good salvation message right there. But now, what's the meaning of that scripture? If you quit right there, you won't know. So we go to verse 11. Verse 11 says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now we're going to look at them bones. All them bones down there is the house of Israel. That's the Jewish nation. See? Jewish nation. They're scattered. They're dry. They're dead. He said, Behold, they say, Our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We're cut off from our parts. That's what's happened to the Jewish nation for people for years and years. They've been scattered. Some of them are still scattered. Verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, is this making sense? Now, Jeremiah don't say when. He just said down the road, I'm going to open your graves. And where's their graves? Their graves have been all over the world. Some of them still are. And he's not talking about raising them out of the ground there. He's talking about bringing them into their homeland. And you shall know that I... The Lord, or I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. He hadn't done that yet. He's bringing them into the land, but he ain't put his spirit in them. A nation will be born in a day when that happens. And I shall place you in your own land. That's going, that's taking place now. Then shall you know that I the Lord has spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Now do you see, that's the meaning. That's, that's the prophecy. And God said, as long as the suns are coming up and the moons are shining, I'm going to take care of the Jew. They're going to be around. And then he's done told them, you're scattered all over the country, but I'm going to bring you in. So God has given us that. Now let's go to uh, another scripture, Jeremiah 46. I hate going back and forth, uh, but that's sometimes how you have to study the scriptures. Here a little and there a little. Uh, Jeremiah 46. When we get to Jeremiah 46, I done mentioned a little bit of this this morning. And let's look at verse 28. We'll look actually at verse 27, chapter 46 and verse number 27. Jeremiah says, But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save thee from afar off. This is still a promise of God saving them. And thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return. Who's Jacob? What's the, what's the name of Jacob? Israel. And Jacob shall return and be in rest and at ease and none shall make him afraid. Have you ever noticed how bold the Jews are today in their land? They're fighting for their life. And they'll, they'll give their life for their life. 
That's why they go to no limits to get the best technology they can get. The best preparation they can get. Verse 28. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee. For I will make a full end of all, of all, see that? The nations, whither I have driven thee. God said, I'll make an end of them. Now watch this. This is important. You want to know why America's going down? Because God said he's going to make an end of all nations. When it's all said and done, Israel's going to be in the limelight and the only nation in the limelight. Ever. Now, I get criticized by people to think that America is going to go down, be destroyed. When it's not a priest that she's in the crosshairs of God's judgment, she is. America's going to be over. He said, But I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. Yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. God said, I'm going to whip you. Jacob's trouble's coming to the Jew. It's also coming to the world. God's going to put down the other nations. But when it's all said and done, there'll not be no other nation on the earth. Can anybody prove me wrong? The millennium is for the Jew and the Jewish people. Of course, us old Gentiles that are saved by grace will be there too. But we won't be Jews. We'll be Christians to save people. You understand what I'm saying? Isn't the Bible so plain? Ain't it so good when you learn all that? Makes me feel good seeing all this stuff. And Israel, when it's all said and done, all lights go out, Israel's going to be the only one shining. Uh, Israel's going to walk, I said, going early in the park. Israel walk on the grave of every nation. She's going to bury all. Amen. So we just keep looking at that. It makes me feel good to see it. She, she'll be one day on that. Now, we do live in a time. Ooh, I don't have to stop again. <laughs>